Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. For those of you joining us online, thank you. And I trust the Holy Spirit. I know He's there, but I trust you can feel Him just as much as He's we feel Him here. The message that I'm sharing today would have been a great one to preach last week. Of course, really, if it's from God, it'd be a good one to preach any week. But last week, we celebrated our nation's birthday, and and uh, how many had a great time at the picnic last week? Amen. Amen. Thanks to all of those that worked. And I'll tell you, we had about 100 more than we anticipated. So uh, any problems we had was, was good problems. Amen. When you have more people, that's good. But thanks to all those served, it, it was awesome. Thank you so much. But last week, it was being celebrating July 4th and American's birthday. And, and baseball is considered America's sport. But God laid this message upon heart for today. And I realize that many of you are not sports fans. My wife hates sports. <laughs> she tolerates it because her three boys, one of them's me, <laughs> love sports. Her grandkids love sports. So she tolerates it and supports the family and kids because of who we are. But she doesn't like sports. She doesn't like competition. But we do. And I think many of you, if you don't like sports, forgive me, I'm using an analogy of life being like a baseball game. See, Jesus used the analogy, a sower went forth to sow. He did that to share some truths, some biblical truths, some awesome truths. <clears throat> and today I'd like to kind of play on that and say a, a player went forth to play. And tell you some awesome truths that I believe are in God's Word. Now, I know many of us say, well, sports wasn't mentioned in the Bible. Well, they did have chariot races. And one that I would not have wanted to be a part of unless I was just watching. And that's when the, they were fighting lions. I wouldn't have wanted to be part of that. But uh, just so you'll know that the very beginning of the Bible says, in the big inning... It wasn't, it wasn't, it goes down from there, folks. It wasn't long before Joseph was served in Pharaoh's court. And even they had motorcycle races. You say, how do you know that? Because said David's triumph was heard throughout the land. We even have a story, and you'll have to decide if this is true or not. I've decided it probably wasn't, but, you know, just in case. These two very close friends loved baseball. They started out in t-ball together, went all the way through school together, even went to the same college and played baseball. But one of them was killed in an accident and so went on to glory. And wasn't too many years passed that the one that had, uh, was still here on the earth was asleep and he had a dream. It was a vivid dream and his friend came to him and was talking to him and said, I want you to know heaven is marvelous. It is awesome. And his friends say, well, uh, do they have sports in heaven? He said, well, I got some good news and some bad news. 
He said, the good news is the golf courses are awesome. The weather is perfect. We get to play baseball all the time. He said, well, that sounds great. What's the bad news? Tomorrow we got a doubleheader and you're pitching the second game. <laughs> so what are some lessons that we can learn? And I know we've laughed a lot already. But how many knows the, the Word of God is sharp? Amen. The Word of God can teach us many things. So a player went forth to play. So what are some lessons we can learn? Well, let's start by going to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How many knows that it was talking about the church? It's talking about all of us being part of one body, and every one of us have a part of that body. There's no such thing as an insignificant part of the body of Christ. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, begin reading of verse 12, it says this, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into the body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say... Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. One body, but many parts. I can tell you something, church. I love the assemblies of God. I thank God for the assemblies of God, but I'm glad that we're not all that the body is. I'm glad that there's a lot of other churches that are on the same team. We may disagree with them, may, may complain, and they may disagree with us. But the reality is, if we're on God's team, how many knows that's the only team worth being on, right? It's God's team. It's the winning team. Don't get ahead of me, Gator, okay? That's the winning team. That is the winning team. And we're all part of the one body. But just like a baseball team, everybody's not a pitcher. Everybody's not a catcher. They all play their part, one body, but many parts. So I think we can understand that analogy. But for the sake of our sermon this morning, let's speak about the different members of the team. And if you're a Christian, you may have never joined Oxford Assembly of God. But if you're a Christian, you're part of the team. I said, if you're a Christian, you're part of the team. We're all part of the team. But guess what? We have to play our position. Now, the first part of this sermon, part one, 
is one that I've had difficulty with. Now, I know many of you have, don't know me, don't know back about my past, but I love sports, love playing softball, but I have a problem. I don't like to play my position. I like to play them all. I like to play them all. And the first lesson is we've got to learn to play our position. We've got to learn to play our position. Now, we have a great staff. It was exhibited while I was gone. They, they're awesome staff. And I'm not including just the paid staff or, or the ministerial staff, but our staff is awesome. We've got a lot of volunteers that are awesome. But you know, one of the biggest problems, now a lot of people say, I wish I had that problem. But one of the biggest problems that I have to have with my staff is I have to say, Laura, that's not your position. I have to say, Daniel, that's not your position. I have to say, Daryl, that's not your position. Because I like to play them all. I used to play outfield in, the, in softball before my uh, knees went bad. And I had a problem. If the ball was hit in the air, I thought it was mine. <laughs> Ted, if Ted's here, he can tell you that he and I, we'd play outfield together. And part of the problem, mine, 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 mine. And I find out it's too far from me. I say, you can have it. <laughs> you know, but the reality is we've got to learn to play our position. You say, well, what's so important about that? Because we're all part of the team. We're all part of the team. When Peter was being ministered to by Jesus. Now, how many things it'd be neat to be singled out by Jesus? And after the resurrection, Jesus met with Peter individually and began to minister to him. And he said, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, you've got a job to do. Feed my sheep. Now, you would think that he would be so excited about that because, you know, he had denied Christ. He went back to fishing and, and Jesus appeared to him and said, listen, you're still my disciple. You're still part of the team and I've got a position for you. You are to feed my sheep. Peter listened. Peter acknowledged it. But he had a problem. He had a problem like many of us do. John came by. And you know what Peter said? Well, what about him? What about him? What's he supposed to do? Now, in Oxford English, he said, it's none of your business. But Jesus doesn't speak quite that this way. He said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. You feed my sheep and you play your position. I'm kind of excited that we're starting a fed group of chair volleyball. I might try it. <laughs> but if you're sitting next to me, don't get upset. <laughs> but maybe if they are tie me to the chair, I can do that. Play your position. Last week, as awesome as it was, the only problem we had was a little bit of line waiting, and, and, and that's to be ex expected. But guess what? My wife went home all upset. She said, I've got to figure out a better way. I said, play your position. 
That's not your job. That's not your responsibility. How many times we, we criticize ourselves when somebody misplays the ball and it's not even our job? Can I encourage you? I'll fix it, say shut up, but I won't say that. Be quiet and play your position. Point number two. Not only do we have to play our position, we need to learn to be ready. To be ready. Because you never know when the ball's going to come to you. You never know when you're going to get the opportunity. You never know when the coach is going to look at you and say, okay, it's time for you to get in the game. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready. King James said, be instant, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That's not part of my message, but I want to tell you that patience is a key word. If you cannot teach and encourage with patience, please don't try to do so. A coach that cannot be patient with his team doesn't need to be coaching. He says, with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. In other words, they'll look at other teams and say, I want to go play on that team. I want to do this. I want to do this. And will wander away from listening to the truth and wander off into the myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. That's another way of saying Play your position, but be ready. Be ready to do it. That word be ready literally means to be on standby. To be on standby. The noun that's used, that's in King James uh, translated, to be instant. A number of years ago, going back in ancient history, before Leesburg Hospital had a chaplaincy program, they'd asked me to help them establish a chaplaincy program. Now, chances are, if you went to any of them in the hospital, they would not know this because this is ancient history. But they asked me, and so I was a volunteer on their chaplaincy, and they gave me a beeper. Did anybody remember what a beeper looked like? You know, it wasn't a phone, it was a beeper. And so I was on what? Standby. I was ready to go if the hospital needed me. I could be there in a few minutes, and I was on standby. I had to turn my beeper in. Why? Why? Because many times when they would go to beat me, I was in Ocala Hospital. The beeper did not work in Ocala. So guess what? I could not be on standby. I believe there's a lot of times that God's looking for you and you're out of range. You're not where you're supposed to be. You're, you're out of range. You can't be reached because you're doing something else. You can't be on standby. It pays to be ready. Wally Pipp was a great baseball player. He had been a home run champ a year or two previously. But one day he came to the ballpark 
And I don't want to be judgmental because I don't know how bad of a headache he had. But he had a headache. And he said, Coach, I don't want to play. He said, That's all right. I've got a rookie here by the name of Lou Gehrig. And he'll take your place. And he played first base for the next 2,130 games. Guess what Wally Pitt did? He set the bench until he could be traded because he wasn't on standby. He wasn't ready to play. Now, I have to say that Lou Gehrig did an awesome job and was an awesome player. And if I was a baseball player, I would not be overly embarrassed to be replaced by Lou Gehrig. But he held the league, the, uh, the record, until it was broken by Cal Ripken. 2,130 games, starting every one of them. Most of you know that he con contacted ALS. Most commonly called Lou Gehrig disease. In his, retire in his retirement speech, he said, I'm the luckiest man on earth with, with Lou Gehrig's disease. Why? Because he'd played his position. He'd been ready to step in. And the next step is to play hard. Why should we play hard? Well, I can tell you why. People are watching. God is watching. And God is the scorekeeper. And he sees everything that you do. Now, I want to tell you what. I'd have a rough time being God and keeping score. Because I'm going to tell you, if I'm coaching and somebody loafs, they're coming out of the game. If that's the case, most of the church would be exiled. Because we don't always play hard. We don't always play hard. But look what it says in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, or as God's team, you put on that jersey. Years ago when I pastored in Alabama, we were a real small church, and we didn't have enough softball players to field a full team. So I recruited them. I went out and got some guys that they were not church guys. But I made them understand something. When you put on that jersey, you represent the church. And if you ever disgrace that jersey, you're gone. But it says, put on then as God's chosen holy ones. When you become a Christian, you put on the jersey. I'm on Christ's team. Beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against one another. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Any of you have been forgiven? Amen. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I know every church in America today is in perfect harmony. Not true. Should they be in perfect harmony? Yeah, because we're on the same team. And let the peace of Christ 
rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of God Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, if you're pitching the World Series or if you sit in the pine, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Drop down to verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Oh, I tell you what. I have played on a few teams and got a nice trophy. But you'd have to go a long way to get the kind of trophy God's going to give his children it's better than anything we can imagine. Better than anything we can do. He's got an awesome trophy for us. And we're winners. We're winners. One reason I love track is there's no disputing who is best in track. 10-9, 10-7, you're best. Yeah, but coach, he looked terrible running. I don't care. There's no style points in track. You don't get points for style. You, the fastest, you win. But most sports are not like that. It depends on who is judging. Let me share something with you. How many of you ever, ever played a sport? How many of you ever had a coach that you thought didn't quite realize your great potential? Any of you been set on the bench because the coach's son played the same position? What about the scorekeeper that you were playing the outfield and, and you were fast and you took off after a ball that was a long way away and you barely touched it with your glove, but they said error. When the other guy would have been 10 foot away, it would have been a base hit. I'm going to tell you something. We've got a scorer that's keeping track of everything you do and everything you don't do. But he sees it all. He sees it all. So, we've got to do it. Pastor, I don't feel like it. I remember years ago, I was playing on a softball tournament. And we had played five games in a row in the summertime. Some of you have been there. And I was in the outfield and the ball went over my head. And my brain told my legs, said, go get it. <laughs> and my legs said, go get it yourself. <laughs> you know? Sometimes you don't feel like it. Sometimes you don't want to play hard. But think about it. When you're talking about praying for the kingdom... That's an awesome opportunity to reach someone for Christ. So play your position. Be ready to step in when called upon and play hard. This shouldn't have to be said. 
But I think, how many of you know that the church has faced a lot of legal battles in the United States? Been a lot of legal battles. You don't see it on TV because they don't want you to know what's going on. They don't like you to know a lot of the freedoms that are being challenged and taken. But if you listen to any of the great organizations, and there are several of them, Liberty Council is one, several that represent the churches on the national level, every one of those organizations will tell you one thing, that the church is winning about 95% of the legal battles that are going on between the church and the world. We win about 95% of the time, but the problem is we don't show up. See, you got to show up. You got to show up. We, we, we got to realize as things are being challenged, we do it in love. We do it in patience. We do it in so many other ways that are a family of Christ. But church, it is time for the church or the team of the Lord Jesus Christ to show up. Yeah. As I coached our, or managed our team, we got a church team, you don't coach it, they just do their own thing. Uh, but as I managed our team over the years, if we have a seven o'clock game, and at 10 minutes till seven, and I understand that people work late, they have responsibilities, but at 10 till seven, I have five players. And I'm saying, God send a warm body. Anybody. We don't want to forfeit. But I can tell you something, church. The church has forfeited. The church in America has forfeited a lot of things because they have not shown up. We've got to show up. We've got to show up. We've got to play our position. We've got to be ready to step in. We've got to play hard. We've got to show up. And this next one is a hard one for many of us. Sometimes we have to wait our turn. We have to wait. Throughout the Bible, we have great examples of people that sit on the bench. I mean, as far as being on the starting team, they weren't. They were just in the background. They were on the bench. They were learning what to do. Most of us don't like to sit on the bench. But I looked up what the World Series champions won in 2018. Last figures I could get. Each one on that team received $400,000. When October comes around, if they called you and said, would you be willing to sit on the bench for $400,000? How many would sign up? I've got an interesting thought that I want to share with you. Now, this is a thought, and I could be wrong. I have been at least twice in my life, so I could, I could be wrong. What do we do when waiting our time? Well, I tell you, first of all, we need to remain faithful. We need to get ready because you never know when the coach is going to look at you and say, go run for so-and-so. Pinch it for him. Go play the field. So you got to be ready. And I know some said, well, what was the interesting thought you had? Elisha was anointed to take over after Elijah. 
Well before Elijah's ministry ended, God told Elijah to go anoint Elisha. Great story. Don't have time to read it all. But he went to get Elisha. And the Bible says Elisha killed his ox, burned his plows, and he went and served not just with Elijah, he served Elijah. One scripture said he was his attendant. He was his attendant. Another one calls him something similar. Now this is my thought. When Elijah went up on the mountain, called fire down from heaven in Mount Carmel, you remember that story? He said, after fire came, he sent his servant. Now, I tend to believe that servant was Elisha. I'm, I could be wrong. But I tend to believe it was Elisha. He said, run up there and check and see if there's any clouds. He did that seven times. Seven times. And on the seventh time, he said, I see a little hand. A cloud the size of a hand. And Elijah said, hey, a rain's coming. Let's go. Now, I, again, I don't know if he was a, that servant or not. But we know that he was the attendant of Elijah. And we know that when it came time for Elijah to handle off his mantle, a great story, how he was taken up into heaven and the mantle fell and Elisha took it. Elisha had a servant by the name of Gehazi. I tend to believe, and again, this is my theory, I tend to believe that he might have been the one, Brother Brown, that Elisha was going to hand it off to. I don't know that. Like I said, this is just my, my story. But Gehazi, after Elisha told Naaman to go rip, dip in the river Jordan seven times, Naaman did that, was instantly healed. And what did Naaman do? He tried to give Elisha a reward. Tried to give Elisha. Now, I can tell you there's nothing wrong with being rewarded. There's nothing wrong with receiving an offering. Nothing wrong with that. But Elisha told Naaman, no. But his servant hurt him. He said, wait a minute. That money doesn't need to just be floating around. I know somebody that could use it. So Gehazi went and collected money. Greed has destroyed many, many ministries. I said greed and not being patient to wait. I really believe some people playing out of position has destroyed a lot of ministries. Because I believe there are people that were called to be evangelists that they thought they were pastors. That's just my thinking. And then there were a lot of pastors that thought they were evangelists. Planning out a position. 
It's just what if. Gehazi missed his opportunity because of greed. You say, well, what happened to Gehazi? He got the leprosy that Naaman had had. His ministry and life was destroyed. I think we all can relate to someone. Their ministry, the team, their families, destroyed because of sin. I'm so glad that God forgives, aren't you? Amen. I said, I'm so glad that God forgives. I'm glad that He's gracious. But we need to realize that we're part of a team. You got to play your position. Got to be ready to step in. Got to play hard. You got to show up. And while you're waiting, you need to be not just waiting, but preparing somebody to take your place. And I've got this one written in in ink. Wasn't in my notes until I was closing the last service. But I think it has to be said don't criticize your teammates. Don't talk about your teammates. Don't destroy it. But the last point I want to make is the most important one. Have you ever been standing around when they were choosing teams? And you saw who was on that team and said, God, I don't want to be on that team. And I know that I've been good enough to, I've, ne I've never, I usually wasn't picked first, but I get picked pretty high. Sometimes they pick me because they like me. They pick me because I played hard. But when I saw my teammates, I didn't want to play on that team. Because I like to win. If any of you have been basketball fans, I sing about basketball because it's most prevalent. There's a lot of people that say, I want to be traded so I can be on a championship team. I want to be on, I want to be on the championship team. Some of them make it. Some of them don't. And you know, there's a lot of people that never get to play on a winning team. Never get, one of the people that come to my mind is Archie Manning, one of the greatest, not uh, the, the dad Manning, those of you old enough remember him. He got drafted by New Orleans and lost every game for a while. Never played on a championship team. But I got great news for you. If you're on God's team, you're on the winning team. And if you're not, Right in the middle of the season, you can change teams. You can say, I want to be on a winning team. And God allows that because he said, I'll take any of you. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care if you can blow bubbles and walk at the same time. It doesn't matter. I'll take you. Yeah, but, but what if you can't? Hey, God says, if I take you on my team, I'll put you in a position made for you. 
I'll put you in a position made for you, and you don't have to be all that because I want you to be on the winning team. And so if you're here today, and in life you've been losing, just as our message earlier, he can do more than what we ever dreamed about. I can tell you something. With all the sincerity of my heart, God has done more with me than I ever thought possible. Than I ever thought possible, Gator. Whenever I went to Bible school, my major was secondary education because I never dreamed of pastoring pastoring a church big enough to support me. I never knew what a big church was. I grew up in one of those churches, 60 to 80. If you had 80, you were great. And if you had 100, you were doing something. But look what God has done. He's allowed me to play on his team. And even if this church was a church of 30 this morning, I would still be winning. Because I'm on God's team. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. So a player went forth to play. And he said, play your position. Be ready to step in. Play hard. Show up. Not only prepare yourself and wait patiently, but prepare somebody to take your place. Don't criticize your teammates. And if you're on the wrong side, change sides today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. And God, if there's those today that did not understand this because they did not understand the analogies of baseball, God, I ask you to clarify their thinking. And God, if there's most of all today, if there's someone that's on the wrong side, they're on the wrong team, let them know that it's just as easy to change teams as to say, Lord, I receive you. I want to be on your team. I want you to be my manager. I want you to be my coach. I want you to be my owner. And God, there may be others, especially the youth. Lord, I know how hard when you're young, it's hard not to start. It's hard not to do things their way. But God, I ask you to help them to be patient. Help them to play their position. Play hard to show up. Be ready to step in and be trained. Minister by your power. Minister by your power and strength today. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, our closing today is in two segments. Number one, If you're not a Christian, and I'm not judging you, I'm not lambasting you, that's between you and God. But if you're not a Christian, you're on the losing team. And if the Holy Spirit is prompting you and speaking to you this morning, it's a good time to change teams. Then I want to invite you right now, without further ado, to just slip out from where you are, make your way to the altar, and enjoying God's team. Joins God's team, and that that offer is open to you. 
as we continue this service. It's a good time to change teams. But then to those of you that are on God's team, if you're struggling with playing your position, like I said, that's one of my problems. I have to correct myself all the time. If you're having problems playing your position, if you're not ready to step in and you need to be, if you've been loafing and you know if that's you or not, I know as a pastor, one of the biggest temptations a pastor can, can fight is laziness. Because it's easy to say you've got ministry to do, you've got study to do, but we gotta, we gotta play hard. We've gotta show up. We gotta be patient while we're waiting, while we're sitting on the bench, and then we're also training someone to take our place. And we're not criticizing others. If you're having an issue with one of those, I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar, but I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet so we can pray with you. Pray for you. Again, this is not to be embarrassed. I, I, I was right off the top. I have a rough time playing my position. Anybody else want to stand so we can pray with you before we close the service this morning? Pray for you. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.